You're listening to The Veteran's Voice, presented by USAA, in partnership with Optum, Medicare Mentors, Colorado Computer Support, and the Wirenut Home Services. Welcome to Veterans Voice, presented by USAA, and coming to you from the Optum Podcast Studio. Like, share, and subscribe to the podcast to get the full hour on demand at veteransvoice.us. That's veteransvoice.us. I'm Nanette Braday, and my guest speaker today, Sue Hoppen. She is the founder and president of the National Military Spouse Network. Sue, welcome. Thank you, Nanette. It's so great to be here with you. Sue is a national recognized expert on military spouse and family issues, working to bridge the cultural gap between government, private and public groups, and military communities. Sue, tell me about National Military Spouse Network. Sure. I mean, I think I wouldn't be telling tales out of school if um, I let people know that you and I met when we were both working, you know, you were on the board and I was working for a military um, affiliated nonprofit. And I was really enjoying the work I was doing there in terms of helping military spouses. But it became apparent that um, we need something that was dedicated to military spouse employment, right? There were so many issues that everybody was worrying about. And I just wanted to care about spouse employment because the numbers have been so high that I thought that I could do more if I started my own social enterprise. Um, and so that was how we founded the National Military Spouse Network. And basically we support military spouse professionals um, through programming, through content and resources. And then for the past five years, We've also um, introduced a white paper annually that looks at all the research and the work that's being done around military spouse employment. We do a little bit of analysis and kind of identify the gaps in the resources and the legislation and make recommendations about what it would really take to move the needle on spouse employment. And so that brought about another um, pillar for us, which is we make sure that policymakers and decision makers are aware of the gaps that would help facilitate um, better employment opportunities for military spouses. And then we make recommendations about what they could do to mitigate those gaps. Um, And so we're really privileged to serve the military spouse community in that way. And everything we do is basically centered around creating more opportunities for military spouse employment. The military spouse unemployment rate since 2010 has varied between 21 and 26 percent with a high reaching about 38 percent. Where are we today? I mean, obviously, there was a problem and an issue at that point in time. Before we talk about where we are today, explain why employment is so important for our military spouses. I think people um, think about, you know, if if people are thinking about military families outside of our community at all, they're thinking of the, uh, maybe the 1950s paradigm of the military spouse that's a stay-home spouse and a military family that's actually able to make it on one salary. And that is not the case anymore. Much like our civilian counterparts, military families require two salaries to make ends meet, right? Um, You can see this in the uptick in terms of um, the military families experiencing food insecurity um, and military families that have no financial security. It's gotten to the point where if a military spouse wants to work, they should be able to work. And 
in many cases, it's not that a military spouse wants to work. They need to work because that family depends on that second income. Um, this is the bottom line why everyone should care about spouse employment. So it's also a readiness issue. It's absolutely a readiness issue because we know that, you know, when you're talking about an all-volunteer force, a lot of times those decisions to stay in or get out of the military are actually made around the kitchen table. It's the service member looking at their spouse and having that discussion and figuring out what's best for the family. And, you know, at the National Military Spouse Network, everything that we do is centered around the notion that a service member should never have to decide between what's best for their family versus should never have to choose between what's best for their family versus serving their country. They should be able to do both, right? I mean, if if a family is going to get out because the spouse can't work, then that's detrimental to our national security. Because yes, you can always recruit more 18, 19, 20-year-olds, but you look at the Navy and the Air Force that rely more on those mid-level NCOs and officers, it's very difficult and it's impossible to recruit that 10-year maintainer, to recruit that 10-year pilot. We need to retain the troops that we have. Readiness, retention, recruiting, all of that comes into play when you're talking the military spouse. Exactly. Let's go back to that unemployment rate 2010, when it really became apparent right in that time period that the military spouse was so critical to the success, basically, of all of our troops that were deploying at such high rates at that point in time. Right. To your point about the rate kind of stagnating in the 20s, right? Like between Vaseline between 20 and 26%. And yes, the 38% you talked about was a rate that people um, were reporting. Some nonprofits were reporting during the pandemic um, because, you know, military spouses had to leave their positions because they had to become, you know, the, yes, the caregiver, but also the um, educator <laughs> once, you know, the kids were at home from school. Um, so that's where that 38% outlier is. It did get to be quite high during the pandemic, um, but it has stayed stubbornly high, um, you know, even outside of the pandemic. It's been between 20 and 26%. That's amazing because, as you said, these are highly qualified people that are available for hire in your local communities. Just to give you a comparison between the military spouse numbers and our local veteran numbers, the unemployment rate for veterans in 2012 was about 12.8%. Today, it is at 2.5%, a huge drop. So, you know, companies are reaching out for qualified people. And and so things have changed. So let's talk a little bit about the 2023 white paper. What that is a huge initiative that has been gaining a tremendous amount of attention. Sue, tell me about the background on that. Sure. I, I, can I backpedal just a little bit and talk a little bit about what you were saying about the veteran unemployment numbers? Um, I love that you brought that up because I think I want to give props out to the people who deserve them. And that is the employers who have really made a huge effort to hire military spouses. And, you know, the same way that they were there for the veterans, the employers have been there for military spouses. When you look at the military spouse employment partnership, MSEP at DOD, at the Department of Defense, and 
other initiatives such as joining forces, they have done such a great job of bringing in employers who want to hire military spouses. But employing them is only half the the problem, right? We have to retain them. We have to retain them through PCSs. And I think this is one thing that you know, and I know, and people working in the field know, but people outside of our community may not understand that veteran employment issues and solutions are very different from military spouse employment and issues in that a veteran, by virtue of being a veteran, is no longer subjected to directed moves. They can now choose when and where they move. And so if they have a job that they want to stay at, they can just decide to stay at that location. Like that can be where they now make their home forever. But a military spouse is still subject to a directed move every two and a half to three years, generally speaking. And so I think people forget the role that retention plays in that military spouse unemployment number versus the veteran unemployment number. Because I have a lot of people speaking to me and asking, what's wrong with you guys? Like veteran unemployment, we've, we solved it basically, right? If a veteran wants to be employed, they can find a job. What is so different with spouse unemployment? And I think it is that one simple fact that um, people overlook, and that is that military spouses are still subject to directed moves. I served on active duty as a reservist, but I also was a military spouse. So I understand the challenges uh, of being a military spouse, having to, we call it PCS or um, directed move on a regular basis, which is why I left active duty and became a reservist. So that was a part-time gig. But in the meantime, I was working full-time. So balancing things, transitioning, moving I remember at one point my spouse had to PCS from Virginia to California. He said, I'll meet you in California. And I'm going, I have to go to military school for two weeks. And we have two dogs. So we basically stayed in a hotel for two weeks, got back, loaded up the moving van and drove to California and had to find another job. So right. Those white papers are making such a difference. Let's go back and talk about that. Sure. I appreciate you highlighting them. We're really proud. You know, that first, I still remember five years ago when I looked around and there was so much research being done and there were so many good surveys out there, but I was frustrated because they just stopped short. They would all come out and say, military spouses are unemployed and we have a very high unemployment number. And we're like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. Like, maybe tell me how we're going to solve this. And I was just so frustrated. And then that you've known me for a hot second. I'm like, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> um, and I just looked and I said, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to do any more research. We don't need to do another survey. What we really need is someone to like look at a team of someone. to so look at this information do the analysis, identify where the gaps are, and make some recommendations that would really help to mitigate the situation. And I just remember when we, so the first white paper we did out of hide. I didn't look for any sponsors. I didn't, you know, well, I'm like, this is just something that has to be done. So we, we just threw it out there. And, you know, our friends at USA got wind of it. And they're like, we want to be part of this. Like, let's have discussions. And we just want to be part of this. And then they've sponsored our white paper every year since. Let me get back to that in just a second. Thank you to Sue Hoppen the president and founder of the National Military Spouse Network. 
We are going to be back with Sue in just a moment. I'm Nanette Brede. You are listening to Veterans Voice Podcast, presented by USAA and coming to you from the Optum Podcast Studio. You're listening to the Veterans Voice, presented by USAA in partnership with Optum, Medicare Mentors, Colorado Computer Support, and the WireNet Home Services. Welcome back to the Veterans Voice, presented by USAA and coming to you from the Optum Podcast Studio. My name is Nanette Brede, and our guest today is Sue Hoppen, founder and president of the National Military Spouse Network. Sue, thanks for joining us. So happy to be here with you. Tell me how you got involved as a military spouse, obviously, because right. your husband, you said, was a 22-year Air Force veteran. How did you get involved in taking on this fight for more military spouse employment? I think it was, um, actually, I know exactly how I got involved. I, I think my story will resonate with a lot of military spouses because they will recognize their story in it, which is, you know, I already had a degree when I married Kevin. And like you said, he's a 22-year um, Air Force veteran. And we had decided that if we had children, one of us was going to stay home until they were in school full time. And clearly that was going to be me because he wasn't taking time off. And um, by the time that our son was in school full time, we were overseas, back to back overseas assignments, first to Okinawa and then to Ramsan Air Base. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know that the things limiting my career options were uh, were the SOFA statuses. But there were very limited opportunities overseas. And so I went back and got another degree waiting for that time when I would be able to find a job and start on my career. Um, because, you know, there's no one that is more eligible for a job, uh, for a starting job than someone who's 40 years old and starting out on their career. But anyway, um, so by the time we came, rotated away from Gen um, Germany and came back to DC, I was really excited because I'm actually from this area and I had a master's degree and I spoke three languages and I figured people were going to be in line to hire me. The reality is everyone in DC is very smart, very talented, very well educated. And the only thing I had going for me was I was a military spouse, which I thought was a plus and everybody else thought was a detriment. So I had um, a binder where I kept all of my rejections and it was, it was about two inches thick and it was demoralizing and I didn't want anyone else to go through that because I realized that in, in a place like DC and in many other places where uh, families will find themselves stationed, it's all about who you know and the networks that you can plug into to get to that job more rapidly. And so I really wanted to create that um, good old boy network, so to speak, for military spouses uh, within the DC area and elsewhere so that they could have that leg up when it came to transitioning in this area. Um, and I just felt like there was something I could do to make their experience better. And, you know, I was raised that if there's something you could do to make things better, you do it. <laughs> um, and the mission has grown and, you know, we have an amazing team and I haven't lost the passion for the mission at all. I think I've been a one hit wonder since the day you met me, Nanette, and that was many years ago. And, this is all I've cared about because I just think that I can't change a lot of the world, but maybe I can change and impact this little part of the world. And, you know, um, I always tell everybody that uh, the National Military Spouse Network is a social enterprise. And my greatest hope, the greatest success we will ever see is the day we go out of business uh, because military spouse unemployment has been solved. 
And the tool that's really helping you get attention on this issue is your white paper. And January 25th, you released the 2023 white paper on military spouse employment, and that was supported by USAA, as you had mentioned previously. But what do you hope that that will accomplish? So we hope that this one will accomplish what the other ones have, which is raise awareness and present solutions that policymakers will then enact solutions that will help mitigate some of these gaps that we've identified, right? Um, One of, you know, for an example, one of our recommendations is that we need to increase the number of military spouses working in the federal government because this would help solve so many of the issues faced by military spouses. Um, One, you know, being career mobility where, yes, I can find a job, but how about growing a career? Well, if I could get into the federal government, then maybe I could progress in my career, maybe not as rapidly as other people who have the luxury of staying in one place, but at least I could progress. So that by the time, you know, my service member is transitioning and we're able to stay in one place, then maybe I could really grow upon that career that I started when we were in the military lifestyle. Um, And then it also helps with the portability issue because we found that, you know, military spouses are actually able to um, keep their jobs as they're PCSing overseas because of um, a domestic employee telework overseas situation called a DEDO that allows them to just maintain these jobs overseas. And so getting more spouses in the federal government will help, you know, solve so many problems that we hope that agencies will pay attention. You know, all we can do is raise awareness, give them the background about why this would be so important, how this could solve the problems and what the issues are right now so that they can help to solve those problems by untangling the issues and fixing them where they live. Um, And we found that to be successful in the past. One of our recommendations was actually included in the 2022 NDAA, a recommendation where we called for uh, a study on military spouse employment and unemployment. And that report is actually due out to Congress by the end of this year. Um, DOD, the Department of Defense, will have to report back to Congress about what the root causes of military spouse unemployment and underemployment are and what they're going to do to solve them. Um, And then another one of our recommendations was introduced as uh, uh, potential legislation um, that resulted in the Military Spouse Hiring Act. We've been working on this since the 116th Congress, so for four years now. Last year, we got so close. Um, We had, you know, just really great bipartisan support in both the House and the Senate, universally popular. um, And then in the last minute, it was cut from the omnibus bill. Um, I have it on good authority that it will be reintroduced very rapidly in both the House and the Senate. And we're all hoping that this is the year it goes through. Fingers crossed that that does get approved and goes through. Right. What is the way ahead for National Military Spouse Network? Um, the way ahead for us is the way ahead for the military spouse community, right? Which is we need to get more people engaged. It's These problems are not going to be solved because military spouses care about them. We need all the allies out there. I mean, clearly Nanette, Nanette cares about them because you're a spouse, you're, you know, you're a veteran. But we need people who may not be connected to the military at all to say, this is an issue. I like having an all-volunteer force. I don't necessarily want to serve myself, but I can support the people who do serve. Because if this is what they've chosen... Um, for their life's calling, then I can 
make their lives a little bit easier, which means I can make sure that their families are able to, you know, seek and attain the financial security that they deserve, just like everybody else. And, you know, we're not looking for, you know, a handout. We're not looking for um, any any situation that's going to put us above anybody else. All we're looking for is equal access to opportunity. And, I mean, I think military spouses and veterans and service members should have equal access as their um, civilian counterparts, right? And that's all any of these recommendations would seek to do. So we're hoping that our allies out there, our civilian friends, could jump on board and um, and care and Part of that caring is just letting, you know, their legislators know, look, these are my neighbors. I care about these issues. I'm your constituent. And I think that this is great legislation and maybe think about co-sponsoring it. Um, The other thing is just being aware of the issues. Um, You know, people were not back in World War II where everybody knew someone who served, right, by virtue of the draft. And um, up until the Vietnam War, everyone knew someone who served. Now, less than 1% of the population serves, only 8% has ever served. We have a very small number of um, veterans in Congress. So a lot of people are removed from the situation and don't understand our issues. So being aware of the issues, and if you're a military family member and you're asked to give it, um, to give your story, to share your story, share your perspective, share your advice, do it. Take the time and do it. Because if people are curious and interested about our lives, then make sure that they understand what your life is and what the challenges are um, and where the opportunities are for them to plug in. And uh, I think it's just all common sense, right? Just stay engaged, stay interested and engage where you can. Um, You know, people hate doing surveys. People hate filling out surveys. You know, people talk about survey fatigue all the time. But if someone sends you a survey, that is them asking you for input so that they can help formulate better policies and solutions. So fill out the surveys. If you're invited to participate on a focus group for your legislator, go. Give your opinion. Get engaged. If these are issues you care about, then you need to stay engaged because um, people like me, people, um, other people who care and advocate, we can do the heavy lift, but we can't do it all because they don't want to just hear from people who are advocating. They want to hear from the grassroots, from the constituents who are going to tell them, I care, I vote, and you should sponsor this. And that's at a micro level. Absolutely. So let's, let me ask you the question, what can we do here at a local level? What can employers do to help swing the pendulum? Uh, hire a spouse, hire a military spouse. And when that spouse leaves, hire another one. And, um, you know, and if you're a member of the Chamber of Commerce, become that advocate and say, you know, I hired a spouse and holy cow, they're such hard workers. You might consider it. Here's how you get connected. I, I, I think if a local employer cares about these issues, they could become an advocate for the community. And um, it doesn't take much. If we even get one more spouse hired, that's a great news story because that next person's going to go and become an advocate and get another spouse hand, um, you know, hired. And it all starts with small actions. If each one of us can make one action, I think we could solve this, um, you know, this very difficult dilemma of spouse unemployment, you know, this crazy high unemployment rate. You have been such a pleasure to talk to, and you are obviously so passionate about helping solve the issues surrounding military readiness as it is associated with military spouse employment, unemployment, and underemployment. Our guest today has been 
Sue Hoppen, the president and founder of the National Military Spouse Network. Sue, how can people find you? So connect with us on Facebook. We're at um, National Military Spouse Network or NMS Network. And we're on Instagram and LinkedIn. Connect with us. Stay in touch with us. Download the white paper at nationalmilitaryspousenetwork.org. Give it a read. Uh, Let us know what you think. And if you think that any of these policies make sense, reach out to your legislators and let them know that, hey, these people have some good solutions for this problem that is a threat to our national security. Hand it to your defense policy person and see if it makes sense for you. And if it does, you're welcome. Um, You know, uh, the more people that are aware of the issues, the better chance we have of solving the problem. So I really appreciate your time, Nanette. Thank you so much for highlighting military spouse employment and for, you know, giving us an opportunity to talk about our white paper. I am passionate about this issue because I think this is an issue that we can solve. Sue Hoppen. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm Nanette Brede, coming to you from the Veterans Voice, presented by USAA, and coming to you from the Optum Podcast Studio. Like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. To get the full hour of Veterans Voice on demand wherever you are, go to your favorite podcast platform and veteransvoice.us. That's veteransvoice.us. U.S. You've been listening to The Veterans Voice, presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center and originates from the Optum Podcast Studio, located on the Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center campus in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The podcast channel is provided by Medicare Mentors. Computing power is provided by Technology Partner Colorado Computer Support. Additional funding is provided by supporting the Wire Nut Home Services. Veterans Voice airs on flagship station KRDO News Radio Sundays at 7.30 a.m. The podcast publishes Saturday at 8 a.m. and is available on all your favorite podcast apps.